No Junk Mail presents The Trading Post, narrated by the author, James R. Von Felt. Chapter 24, Day 18, Continued. Looney and I looked at each other and shook our heads. Looney offered, I'll bet anything they're close by and watching. I suggested, what if me and Looney find them and bring them back here? Sheriff Brew turned and asked Ray, Got any better ideas? Ray was getting in on the conversation. He must have been feeling better. Sounds like a plan, he said. Sheriff Brew nodded his head in approval and asked what we were going to do. We hadn't really thought that far ahead. Looney blurted out, We can track them in the snow, and we have calls we use. If they're close by, they'll find us. Sounds good, the sheriff said. We need to get them here as quick as possible. We don't know what's going to happen, and we want to know where they are as this goes down. But if you don't find them pretty soon, you come right back here, you hear? We nodded our heads, opened the car doors, and jumped out. In no time, we were in the woods. It was starting to snow again, and the clouds were dark and menacing. Let's see if we can pick up Brave's trail, Looney said. We crossed the road going north towards the lake and crisscrossed in a pattern that let us cover a lot of ground. We walked all the way to the lake and didn't cross a track. We looked down the beach to see what we could see, but there was nothing there either. We couldn't see the store. It was too far away. It was quiet, too quiet. All we could hear were the waves from the lake and the snow falling off the trees. Use your call, Looney said. So I did my owl call twice, and we waited. I did the call three more times in a row. There was no response. If Longhair or Brave had heard us, they would have replied with their call. We backtracked to the car and then went west, crisscrossing about a 100 feet apart, looking for Brave's tracks. We knew he'd been here, but a lot of snow had fallen since they sent us on our way. We went about a quarter of a mile, but still no tracks. Then we swung south to cross the road, and we were too far away to see the sheriff's car. I called again. This time we had a reply. That's long hair, Looney exclaimed. We ran in the direction of the reply. It grew darker as we went deep into the forest. We had crossed trails with fresh deer tracks, but we'd not come across any human tracks yet. It was snowing again, harder now. That bothered us. We knew that if we didn't find long hair and brave soon, we were running the risk of getting lost. We were leaving a clear set of tracks, but snow would cover them, so it would be hard to backtrack out of the forest. We stopped and made the call again. Right in front of us, not 50 feet away, long hair stepped out from behind a cedar tree. Then brave appeared a little further away. Wow, exclaimed Looney. Boy, are we glad to see you. Longhair's hand went up. That was a sign for silence. There was danger near. We froze in our tracks and looked around slowly. Looney and I moved close to a big Douglas fir tree. When you're in the woods and it's dark, if you're standing next to a tree and don't move, it's hard for an animal or a person to see you. Longhair and Brave also disappeared behind trees. No one moved. The snow fell from the limbs high above us, making the only sounds I could hear. 
It fell in patches and clumps, not snowflakes. We were in deep, dark forest, where the snow accumulated on the tree boughs high up. Then as the weight grows too heavy, a clump of snow falls to the ground, making an eerie plop. Looney's head jerked. He'd heard something. Looney had good ears. He could hear things before Philip did sometimes. Maybe Long Here and Brave heard it too, but we couldn't see them. Then I heard it. It sounded like a lot of animals moving. That was unusual. Animals don't make this much noise unless they're panicked and running away from something. If a herd of deer were spooked by wolves, they'd make a lot of noise like this. But most likely we'd hear the wolves too. Long hair appeared to us and signed to us to get behind the tree and cover our tracks. We knew what to do. We fluffed the snow a bit as we moved silently behind the big tree. No one could see our tracks unless they were right on top of us looking for us. The sounds were closer and moving at a fast pace. Then it stopped. We heard words, English words, but couldn't make out what was being said. Then the walking started again. People were going to come within 30 feet of us. They didn't seem to be paying attention to anything around them. In a dark forest, you can hear before you can see something. When something emerges from the dark, it's usually because we see motion and different colors from the background. First, we saw the movement, bushes, brush, and low limbs moving. Then, as they came out around a thicket of low pine trees, they were fully visible to us. Three fully rigged trappers with backpacks coming right at us. They had rifles hanging off their backpacks. With a few steps, they were abreast of us and didn't know we were there. I slowly ducked behind the tree out of their sight and caught a glimpse of Looney cocking his head as he peeked around a tree. Looney straightened up, and I saw a look of unbelief on his face. Then he yelled, Dad! as loud as he could and ran to the band of trappers. I froze. It took a minute for my mind to understand what was going on. Then I peeked around the fir tree to see Looney hugging one of the men. It looked like they were wrestling, and they fell over in the snow. The other two men stood by looking at each other, then looking around. They could see Looney's tracks in the snow leading directly to the tree I was hiding behind. They had not seen me yet. I hadn't moved. Like I said, it's amazing how much you don't see till something moves. I saw Longhair stick his head out where I could see him. I signed, okay. Then I stepped out from behind the tree and approached the group. When I got to them, Looney was crying. I hardly ever saw Looney cry. I've seen Looney lose a fight, and he didn't cry then. This was different. This was happiness. Looney cried and yelled at me at the same time. He dragged the man towards me with the others following. Then I recognized Looney's dad. I don't know how Looney could tell it was him. Maybe he recognized the coat and hat. Looney's dad gave me a hug and said that everyone was worried about us. We've seen cougar tracks and were afraid they'd gotten you. Nah, I said with all the bravado I could muster. We got them. Everybody laughed, including Looney. Most all the men from the project hunted at one time or another. Most of them were good at it. and Some were good at tracking, too. 
Whenever a cougar was sighted close to the school, a hunting party went out to shoot it. Sometimes they got it, sometimes they didn't. But they tried, and I think they enjoyed trying just as much as actually shooting the cougar. The difference between just trying and killing it lay in whether or not they could track it. Tracking is an art that takes time to learn. Longhair and Brave were watching us. The three men had not spotted them yet. I gave Longhair the OK sign again and signed for him to come to us. After Longhair approached us, Brave cautiously stepped into view. They had their bows and arrows slung over their shoulders. I asked if someone could talk to Longhair. One of the guys in the group looked in then. He made the friend sign. Longhair responded. Then they were signing and speaking to each other. Brave hung back. I guess he was not convinced that everything was okay. Brave did not join in the conversation, but he came closer and quietly looked on. Looney's dad's name was Ted. He was the tallest in the group and the leader. He said, We were looking for you boys when we got a message over our portable radio from the sheriff's office at Kelso. They said to meet up with Sheriff Brookhofer near Lake Merwin on the old logging road. You haven't seen him by chance, have you? Looney and I started talking at the same time. Hold on, hold on now. One at a time, he said, then pointed at me. I said, sure, we seen him. He's not far away. Looney added, Jake's gang tied him up and locked him in the trunk of the car. We found the car and got him out. We need to capture the gang. They're at the trading post, so we're looking for long hair and brave to help. That's when you showed up. While we were talking, the tracker and Longhair were also talking and signing. From what little I could understand, I think they were discussing what had happened at the trading post. Then Ted said, Jake's gang? What are you talking about? Hold it, everybody. We've got to find the sheriff. Can anyone show us how to get there from here? The tracker interpreted, and Longhair responded, Me show. Longhair knew exactly where the car was and led the way. We didn't go back the way we'd come, but angled somewhere towards the northeast. We came out of the forest at the logging road, about 200 feet west of the sheriff's car. Sheriff Brew was standing on the other side of the car, looking into the woods. Ray, his deputy, was in the front seat talking on the radio. The sheriff recognized us right away, waved at us, and walked around the car towards us. At first he was confused as to how we returned with more than just long hair and brave, but Ted quickly introduced himself as Looney's dad and his group as the trackers from Vancouver. The sheriff was pleased to have these reinforcements, then said, You have a fine boy. Glad you made it here and found him. I introduced long hair and brave to Sheriff Brew. Sheriff Brew knew some signs and spoke a few words to Longhair. I could see Longhair was relieved, but Brave hung back, quiet as always. Sheriff Brew shoveled snow with his foot. I didn't know what he was doing till I saw it was a circle big enough for all of us to sit down. Ted and the other two trackers took their packs off, and when the sheriff sat down, everyone sat in the circle. This was swell. Looney and me were included, too. A long conversation began, covering the story we had told the sheriff about how we'd met and captured Jake and Sam, how we'd got them to the trading post, how we'd been fooled by his gang, and how Philip had sent us out to hunt. 
Then the sheriff told about the crooks Jake, Sam, Red, Mac, and Al, and their recent history of crime, about the guns that were most likely in their hands, and about the hostages in the trading post. He also relayed the actions of the sheriff's office back at Kelso. The backup help for the sheriff was progressing slower than they thought because of the roads and the snowfall between towns and where we were. It would be getting dark before they reached us. The sheriff went on to explain, We also have another three-man search team somewhere in the area, and they're armed. They didn't call in at the designated time, so we don't know where they are, why they didn't call in, or what they know at this point. If they stumble into the trading post before we get there, we may have a bigger problem on our hands. So time is of the essence. But without the backup help, we only have two rifles and limited ammunition. Ted added, we have three rifles, extra ammos and a pistol. Well, that's something, Sheriff Bruce said. Jake and his gang probably don't know we're here, which is our advantage. The problem is the hostages are in the trading post with them. And if it comes to a shootout, the crooks will probably use the hostages as shields. Looney then posed the obvious question. Then we have to figure out how to get the hostages out of the trading post, don't we? At that point, you could hear the snow falling as everybody racked their brains for an answer. After a while, Longhair gestured. Sheriff Bruce motioned to him to tell us what was on his mind. Longhair spoke, and the tracker translated. It went like this. Me go, trading post. Me talk brave hurt. Need help. Me sign to Enu and Philip. Out now. There was silence as everyone thought through Longhair's plan. We talked over several points, filling them in with comments. Finally, Sheriff Bruce smiled. That's a good plan. And we, he said, pointing to Ted, Team, and Ray, we can be back up. His words were interpreted, and Longhair replied, No, small better. Here, many feet. More conversation and comments flowed all around. Can you get in touch with the other search party, Ted asked. Sheriff Brew answered, Headquarters is trying to contact them. Their radio batteries may be dead. We may not be able to talk to them before something happens at the trading post. As far as we know, they don't know what's going on here. But as I understand it, your team had agreed to meet them sometime today at the trading post. Is that right? When did you talk to them last? Ted replied, They were east of us when we talked to them about noon today. They were planning to meet us at the trading post tonight or tomorrow morning. Their signal was weak then, and we could hardly hear them. It was silent again as we all racked our brains for a better plan. As we thought things through, I noticed that the sky was getting darker and it was still snowing. Sheriff Brew inquired, Ted, can your radio still contact headquarters? Ted answered, yes. Can you turn it on low so it won't make much noise? Sure, I've got a headset. When I use it, nobody can hear any noise from it. Good, Sheriff said. Then you and your search party go to the east side of the trading post behind the cabins before Longhair and Brave leave here. Ray and I will follow after you leave. You stay a hundred feet or so south of the trading post and east enough to stop the other search team if they come from that direction. 
We don't want them to get caught in any crossfire between us and the gang inside. Ray and I will be next to you in the woods, on your left. We'll be close enough to see inside the training post, since they've got lanterns in there. Turning to Longhair and Brave, Sheriff Bruce said, We'll leave before you go in. We need 10 or 15 minutes to get in place so we can support you and the others when they come out of the trading post. Then turning to Looney and me, he said, You boys stay here and man the car radio. That's important. And when help gets here, have them contact me on the portable radio. Can you do that? Sure enough, we said. Sheriff Brew then said to the whole group, We'll have to stay flexible. Once everyone gets here, we'll have to stay in communication, no matter what happens. Sheriff Brew contacted headquarters and filled them in on the plan. The search party loaded up. The backpack with the portable army radio was put on the sheriff. We checked out our communications with him and his headset. Ted showed him how it worked. Then they headed out. The last thing Sheriff Bruce said was, Count to 2,500 slowly. Then send long hair and brave. Okay, Looney replied. They left, and Looney began counting out loud. I was counting with him in my head. Longhair was agitated. He was ready to go. Brave was stoic, not moving, waiting for a signal from Longhair. They had their bows and arrows slung over their shoulders. I don't know how far you can walk on 2,500 count, but if you're walking fast, it's quite a ways. Everyone was revved up, so I bet they were walking fast. Besides that, they had no idea if the other search team had gotten there already or not. And on the off chance that the search team wasn't there yet, they wanted to beat him to the trading post. They also had to stay out of sight in the woods and to be quiet so no one knew they were there till they were all in place. By the time Looney counted to 2,000, I had already made up my mind. I was going with long hair. However, I knew that if I told him I wanted to go, he wouldn't let me. Somehow, I just had to go to the trading post with him. Without me, he'd raise suspicions. At least that's what I thought. So, after Looney reached 2,500, long hair and brave left for the trading post, and I started counting. What are you doing? Looney wanted to know. When I got to 200, I told him he had to stay and man the radio. I was going to walk in the trading post with Longhair so Raid would believe his story. Then I left. Longhair had a good lead on me. Brave was out of sight. I didn't know where he went, but he was in the woods somewhere close. I was hoping to catch Longhair as he reached the porch of the trading post. However, when we were 200 feet or so from the building, Longhair heard me and turned aside and looked at me. I kept running till I was at his side. I signed, me with you, which told him I was determined to go with him. He signed back, no talk. I caught sight of Brave's shadow for an instant by the boat dock as we stepped on the porch. We came onto the porch casually, as if we were out for a walk. Long hair made a noisy entrance on purpose. He stomped the snow off his feet, and so did I. We knew that everyone inside would hear us. We pushed the door open and I went in first. Everyone was just standing there. If they were talking, they quit when they heard us stomping. They just looked at us. We stood two steps inside the door. 
which was left wide open. Phil spoke first. You killed deer? Enu translated to Longhair. Then Longhair signed back to Enu. Enu spoke in short sentences, only a couple of words at a time. Deer shot. Brave hurt. Need help. As Enu and Longhair were talking, I noticed Billy, Alex, and Darrow staring a hole through me. Their gazes were fixed. They weren't even blinking. Things had changed. Red was sitting in a chair with a pistol in his belt. Jake was standing by the wood stove. Scarface was standing close to Jake, watching him. Blind Eye was to our left, almost out of our vision. He crept behind us, then slammed the door shut, then pointed a pistol at Longhair and had a mean expression on his face. I saw up close that one of his eyes was glazed over. He really was blind. Red laughed and told Blind Eye to put up his gun. While all this was taking place, Enu and Longhair were signing to each other. Red pointed his pistol at Jake, saying, We've reached an agreement with Jake here. As soon as you get back with some meat, he's going to show us where he buried the rest of the loot. Right, Jake? Jake's eyes narrowed and shifted as if he were planning something. Right, Jake? This time, Red demanded an answer. Yeah, sure, Jake muttered. Enu repeated, Brave hurt needs help. Red demanded, How was he hurt? Enu replied, Dear Gord Brave. Red looked at Jake and squinted his eyes in thought. Then, waving his pistol at Blind Eye, he said, You go with the Indian. Enu said, Need more. Carry deer. Brave needs help. Scarface and Jake looked at Red. Red pointed his pistol at Philip and Billy. You two go with him. Keep your mouth shut or else. He pointed the pistol at Enu as if he were going to shoot him. They nodded their heads. Then Red said, Mac, take care of things. Got it? An evil smile came over Blind Eye's face. He was scary. And get back here quick. Red said, looking at Blind Eye. He still hadn't noticed that Enu and Longhair were signing back and forth. Blind Eye pulled the pistol out of his belt and pointed it towards the ceiling. With his right hand, he opened the door. Philip and Billy went out the door. I followed them. Longhair followed me. Blind Eye came last. As soon as we were out of the door, Philip looked at me and I signed, Danger! Story continues on chapter 25.